This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Long Delithi Podcast. We are your hosts, Jacob and Thomas from Beacon. We're going to be breaking down our fourth record song by song and going in depth on the recording process and context behind the tracks. In each episode, we'll be highlighting some of our favorite sounds and loops and making them available as a free download on BandLab. BandLab is a digital audio workstation and social platform. You can go ahead, download the app, and head over to our profile to access the official sound pack. Welcome to episode nine of the Along Lethe podcast. Um, today we're going to be speaking about the ninth track on the record, coming to a close, uh, Harm. I kind of see Harm as like the sister track to Can't Turn Back. I feel like there's a lot of similarities in some of the sound designs, the drum yeah. production. Do you have the original project that you brought in for this? Yeah, I can, I can pull that up. I believe the demo was kind of written around a similar time, so I was definitely like in that headspace of this kind of drum production and you know quasi garage. One of the most interesting things about this track overall is like the larger conceptual thing that grew out of the lyrics. In turn, became the music video. I feel like the seeds were laid in the random naming of the file. I don't even know why I named it that. Probably harmony, some kind of harmony or something. Yeah, yeah, it could have, yeah, it could <laughs> yeah, have been like, something simple like that. Yeah. No, no real reason in my in my memory but that little random seed being this thing that ended up growing into really important lyric in the song i mean we can talk about that i think that's kind of a cool cool part of the track i think like the fact that that name and then sort of became this lyric harm throughout and then the hippocratic oath of do no harm became this kind of refrain that was used throughout it- definitely serendipitous in terms of the way we name things it's like naming marion obviously the name of the track is marion and i remember us being interviewed on some radio show and the guy asking who is marion we're like marion is actually a sound uh it's the like name of a sound bank uh on the analog four in a these connections that get made incidentally, um, but then obviously take on all this extra meaning. So yeah, it is an interesting part of like uh, you, making you, and writing music. Do you remember the, um, 
Was that phrase one of the first ones you remember that you... I don't really remember. I remember doing like Frankenstein surgery between disparate vocal parts to kind of put that phrase together eventually. We've talked about it a few times now, but it's like so much the lyric writing comes from sound and from using sound. So, um, and then finding words to fit those sounds after the fact. What it sort of blossomed, in, blossomed into lyrically and then and then what you're talking about like the music video that grew out of it it seems like a very kind of tight package but it's true that these things come very organically from the process of of writing and creating from a musical headspace yeah and, and essentially took two years of that demo was quite old by the time we actually dug into any sort of ideas so I, mean, I love this idea that something so small can kind of develop into something much bigger down the line it's yeah. like a, such a fun part of the process of writing a record and just kind of coming up with ideas overall um, that are attached to a record. I mean, I think this track was one of the ones that we ended up sending a lot of Cubase instruments, especially like the whole rhythm section. We used our outboard gear a lot, basically to run parallel compression and parallel EQ from our um, 500 series. So from our Mog EQs, I actually think that we ran stuff through the entire signal chain. So using the outboard gear to glue everything together and then run it in parallel. So basically blend the original Cubase pattern with this totally processed outboard gear version of it. I mean, we did it both with the full drum progression and also the chords. I mean, remember really trying to focus on it with the chords because they were we, we leaned into the simplicity of them. You know, these whole notes, four chords really kind of a simple and direct changes that were really effective, but the sound had to be strong enough to carry them. So that's one of the reasons why we brought that pad to the outboard gear to add some texture, some strength, some like a little bit of fuzz to it, and then mix it in with the original, which is sort of cleaner. And then with the drums, it made them so chunky. This track was done a little bit later than Can't Turn Back. In some ways, I think like the drums are even, the sound of them and the way they kind of work together is even more successful. They really feel locked in and it's a little faster tempo. It's like 130 BPM track, but they still feel really spacey. There's a lot of room for things to happen around them, which, you know, I think where the chords kind of sit nicely in between. But yeah, I think those are some of the key, some of the key moments, but um, I don't even want to jump in the samples. Yeah, let's jump in. Yield 
all-time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So the first sample, actually samples we're gonna give you, we're gonna we're gonna talk about them in tandem are the kicks. Another track with layered kicks. So in here you have uh the sub kick and this kind of knock kick. Of all the pairings on kick drums and on the record, these two I think work pretty perfectly together because they really occupy specific spaces. One is kind of a pure rolled off sub. And one is just knocking in like the mid low range. They're really slotted together, punching through. It's worth noting too in this track, we really let the kick do its job. The way that the production and the writing came together is that we didn't stuff elements in around that frequency range and really allowed the kick to be super direct, punchy. And the truth is, like now having played it live for our US tour it really, really benefits from all that space because it's such a dense kick, but it's such a danceable rhythm and it really just works because it's like the rest of the instruments kind of give it the space. So the next sample is the, um, the from the chord progression. It's the C minor chord. What we were talking about in the intro, um, what you're hearing is a parallel compression. The original sound is retrolog. It was sent through the outboard gear and recorded back in. It's like what we talked about. This this synth really needed to carry the track all the way. What you get is just a really dense, rich C minor chord through this. Uh, you know, honestly, probably through the default. Right, like when you open up the retrolog, it's like essentially the default. The main sound that opens this this synth up is actually pretty great. I mean, you have to kind of like pull the cutoff down, but it's like a pretty dense. Form. Oh yeah, right. You mean when you open a retro log and you hit a note? The default sound is the actually default, pretty yeah. rich. Like, yeah, it's, it sounds, it's, it's it a great pad. Great. Yeah, it's a great use it all the time. Yeah, you know, yeah, just kind of tweak. You know, one thing I'll note on this, which I can A B in here. There's a fair amount of plugging things happening to kind of thicken the sound and widen the sound. thing that we've used quite a bit on this record on um, pads is the, is the uh, waves plugin doubler which uh, again is kind of used as a kind of widening spreading the stereo field out is the pro r on here as well for some reverb nice and then the other things which i didn't realize was on here there are two instances of the isotope trash wow. running 
this thing should come with a warning, honestly. When you put it on a track, <laughs> it makes it like so... You, you should have a limiter. Everybody should have a limiter on their master just to protect their ears, but this thing is so aggressive. I mean, now that you bring it up, I've, I vaguely remember doing this. I mean, it is very intense. It's very heavy, but it's it, it's very customizable. If you open up the right function, there is a ton of automation going on throughout the synth. The, whole, the synth is constantly changing in some subtle ways and some not so subtle ways. A lot of cutoff automation. And then, yeah, you see the um, the trash, the plugins kind of being ramped up. Oh, like, and I think yeah, right. that's where like where the, where the synth opens up and it gets kind of saturated and like almost distorting is the trash coming in. So all these things are kind of already on there, already kind of processed through some plugins to widen, thicken the sound, to saturate the sound. Um, and then after that, send back through this outboard gear. My memory of this is that part of the reason why we added the distortion is because there was such a delicate balance of how much the filter could open up. It's like if you did, if there was too much of the filter opening, then basically we would get into something that was just like a little too bright for what the synth needed to be. And so keeping like the filter cut off very, very specific, very dialed in, slowly automating up, but then adding a uh, really detailed finessed saturation and right. basically you know trash has like these different amp shapes and noise shapes and so adding all that sort of grit and stuff as we go up without opening up the filter too much where it just becomes too bright you know where right. it's like all this harmonic information you're you're opening up and letting in and then that's starting to conflict with the rest of the elements that you really want to be focused on in that space for the next sample, we have the ride, uh, the ride pattern. Back to the ride problem. But this one takes it like into a very different space. It becomes super noisy. It's like extremely big crush. So it's, the, the sound is being degraded quite a bit. Also has the multi-band envelope shaper on it as well pulling out the uh, release quite a bit so it has like a lot of like long tail sizzle to it. And the step sequencer is just a three-step pattern so it has like this kind of rolling trot feel which is a pretty strange rhythm actually I think locked under the main core beat. I think this sound is incredible. It happens during the pickup at the end of the song, right? Right, right. I just think it's so interesting, like, I mean, yeah, the ride problem, right? Like, we talked about it in Nova. You know that you need the function of a ride. You need something additive, something that takes up more presence and more space than a hi-hat. It almost always needs to be treated really creatively in electronic music. Like, the ride has an absolute purpose on a drum kit, and it can be used and finessed inside electronic music, but it always... At least from our standpoint, it always has to be treated creatively. And I just think this one is so good. Like you said, like the sequence that you wrote it in is just three beats. So it restarts in, in weird places. It becomes this trot. The shuffly ride that's bit crushed really speaks to the level of like 
detail and nuance in this track. Um, and yeah, I mean, you play with this ride, throw it on top of your 4-4 um, four, four progressions and sort of see what it does. I feel like it really can awaken something that feels uh, a little dry on its own. This one is the Prophet Loop, and this is just the very simple melody that comes in at the end, a lead Prophet sound um, from one of the one of the sounds we've created on that instrument over the years. I remember this being a late ad. We were working out the ending of the piano section, and I think I was on the piano as the track was playing, playing this. A nice, simple, lullaby-esque melody that then popped over to the Prophet on, which kind of gave the sound a little more character, a little more unique quality, and not interfering with the piano sound that already existed in the track as well. Um, but yeah, this is just like a nice, tight little loop that I think you know you can have a lot of, a lot of ideas around. And that was episode nine, um, Harm. We have one more track to go. Uh, join us next time to close out the record with Mile a Minute. Thank you. Thank you.